CPR. My name is Rex. And my name is Josh. Thank you guys for listening today. We have something awesome in store for you, as always, don't we, Rex? I, I sure hope so. Josh might say it's rip roaring, but I don't know. That's my line. Again. I, I, I was saying you might say that. Oh, so okay. It, it's still it's your line. It's rip roaring, just yeah. in case. Oh, boy. But. Rex, so what happened in the... Oh, we've been gone for like two weeks. Yeah, not intentionally. The audience has missed us. Sorry, guys. (laughs) But what have you been doing in the past two or so weeks? Uh, I have been doing things to further my knowledge of uh, audio engineering, including starting a program at a local studio. And I've been learning a lot and having a lot of fun. Wow, so that sounds something... Awesome. (laughs) Oh. It is. I mean, that too, probably. What's been going on in your week, Josh? So I uh, coached some little kids at a golf camp. How thrilling. Uh, I know. uh, For about like four days or so. Okay. And now before you feel too sorry for the kids, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a decent coach, you might say. Yeah. I don't know. But um, so it was an interesting experience. Like, so I haven't been that young in a while. (laughs) I should try that again. But um, (laughs) so it was it was interesting to see how uh, they process things, you know, think about things. So like you have to bring snacks to snack time. Uh, One kid brought five fruit roll ups. Wow. And he's like, look, my dad brought. Uh, packed me five fruit roll-ups snack of champions Mm -hmm. and one of the little girls was like wow your dad must really love you (laughs) yeah it was so i was with like five and six year olds part of the time and then like nine and ten year olds the other part of the time so i really liked the five and six year olds because they talked (laughs) about fruit roll-ups yes the other kids just gave me death threats constantly (laughs) um like oh could i kill you with this golf club could i kill you with this golf ball could i kill you and it goes on and on so it wasn't really a threat it was more of a a clarifying question uh uh sure (laughs) okay well we'll go with that so yeah i preferred the five and six year olds understandably so just to um just to be clear about that one. Got it. All right. So, um, as always, if you have a question that you would like to submit to us, and we love hearing your guys' thoughts, yes. concerns, and questions, email them to uh, Rex and Josh at CPR. No. No. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> email them to Rex and Josh CPR at gmail.com or at Rex and Josh CPR on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, there we go. But so let's dive right into what we have um, planned up for today. That did not make sense. But anyway, let's go with it. uh, So last week we uh, you mentioned Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate for the presidency in Mm -hmm. 2020. That's this year. Um, and I was like, hey, let's talk about some of her policies. Cool. And I kind of looked them up. And there were only two things that I disagreed with, but wow. most of the things I was like, okay, that might work. How cool is that? But uh, Rex, do you want to say some of the things that you agree with her about? or uh, I think just to give the people a better understanding of what we're talking about, you want to rattle off some of her policies and stuff like that. And All right. And we'll work from there. Let me pull that up just a second. 
I pulled it up here. So she supports uh, criminal justice reform. Um, she doesn't like the unusually high incarceration rate of the United States. Uh, she doesn't want the police to be necess- like a military force. She wants mm-hmm. them to be more a part of the community. Um, let me see. She doesn't like embargoes or economic sanctions or foreign aid. She wants to stay out of uh, basically outside wars, non-interventionalism, mm-hmm. which is... Let's park right there for a second. That's okay. an interesting um, idea. So when has America kind of historically like moved from this concept of we're staying out of all affairs of Europe, Asia, blah, 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 into this kind of, oh, we're the police force of the world. And what are your thoughts about should we be necessarily the police force of the world like we are in uh, all the Middle East and all these countries, or should we just keep to our own business? So I'm not a huge fan of the police of the world mentality. I, I think a lot of the stuff going on in the Middle East has been unnecessary in a lot of ways. And there have been a lot of people senselessly killed for no reason. Um, that one's redundant. But basically, I I think it kind of started after World War II because World War II, the U.S. was neutral until, until we were uh, bombed by the Japanese in Pearl Harbor. I think that still applies to non-interventionist policy, but keeping ourselves safe is different from going out and actively pursuing other people who we think could possibly maybe, we're not sure, be a threat. So I think that started more in the, the 50s and on. Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept because you have the, you have all this against the backdrop of World War II, of yeah. uh, Hitler conquering, and they gave him, like, was it Poland, right? Yeah, I think so. And... Um, and they're like, well, that will appease him, and he just keeps on going. And I don't support appeasement. That's a different thing. Uh-huh. And I, so I think there's a difference between appeasement and there's uh, and being the police force. Yeah. I don't think that we should necessarily um, take over every single country, like mm-hmm. sometimes. But I do think that there are a lot of bad uh, dictators that have been that have taken over countries, and that the people of those countries are unfortunately not strong enough or not able to rise up yeah. against those dictators and i think that they should be helped out to some degree as well mm-hmm. um i just thought that was interesting her yeah. policy of that um that's she, something you'll find in a lot of libertarianism is just a purely uh personal autonomy is really important so non-interventionist policy is really common there all right so she supports low debt um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think we should all probably support. Oh yeah. Um, uh, free market healthcare, which I agree with. Oh yeah. Um, so here it comes to two things that I'm like, eh, let's I, talk I, about that. I don't know exactly about that. So, um, which I, I'm sure you probably agree with abolishing drug laws. I think the idea behind abolishing the drug laws is um, back in uh, back in the early 1900s mm-hmm. uh, with a prohibition of alcohol, and so uh, law enforcement officers were so um, focused on uh, breaking up these alcohol rings that mm-hmm. they were unable to focus on other crimes. Yeah, and that they. Uh, 
that that was taking up all their time and there were a lot of deaths because of gang related things type of thing mm-hmm. um so i think that she's probably thinking of the drug illegal drugs in terms of uh, prohibition of alcohol mm-hmm. um but i don't think that it necessarily carries over what do you think about that i think there's a lot of a lot of again i coming from a libertarian anarcho-capitalist sort of perspective i think a lot of i'm very in support of personal autonomy and what you put in your body is your choice as long as it doesn't harm the people around you so a lot of people see dr- quote unquote drug crimes as vic uh and this is another uh, loose term uh victimless crimes and say that police resources i absolutely believe that police resources could be used better um, I don't know that they're strictly victimless because there are people that are negatively affected, but I don't, I am not a fan of the government controlling what people put in their bodies as long as it's on private property and not hurting other people. Obviously, if you don't want somebody smoking weed outside your house, you can tell them, Hey, you have to go because I don't want you here, but that's your right to prevent people from being on your property, not your right to control what they do on their own property um so i i think there are a lot of dangerous things and i am not going to be putting anything like that in my body but it's a really tricky topic and i think a lot of the free market solutions take a lot of extra steps to get to a a perfect solution because people are like oh well do you want people to be high while they're driving and no i think that's bad but i think if we were more in the in an area of privatized roads that would be something that would be easier to take care of because then it could be the companies that are controlling the roads saying oh well we don't allow people to be on drugs while they're driving down our roads and so it, the enforcement of stuff like that is something that takes a lot to get to that point and so i think right now it's better to see, keep some regulations in state in place but i think there's a lot of unnecessary regulation and control, and there's a lot of drugs that can be beneficially used, especially looking at stuff and procedures that they do like down in Mexico or in Cuba. There's a lot of people in the U.S. that go to other countries to have procedures done because they're either way cheaper or they're just procedures that are perfectly safe but aren't legal to do in the U.S., like stem cell treatments there's a lot more freedom in other countries for that and so i think that is the the drug problem is definitely a a problem but i'm not sure that the government should be fully involved in that sorry that was long um yeah so i i just think it's it's an interesting perspective taking the historical thing yeah and then transferring it but the reason that i don't um i don't uh I don't think that it would necessarily work is because what you said it would take a lot of extra steps and just abolishing them the drug laws outright yeah. is not necessarily the way to do that because of um if you you say oh you can do it on your own private property for instance but like what's to stop somebody they're in their house um mm-hmm. using drugs and then they go out and they're like oh i'm gonna go somewhere yeah you, you can't usually reason with a high person yeah. And well, there's also things in place like a lot. I work at a restaurant. A lot of restaurants deal with drunk people 
because they serve alcohol there and you're allowed to refuse service to somebody who is drunk um and a, a lot of uh a lot of the time you can tell if somebody's high so i think people should be able to refuse service to high people yeah but like just even driving on the highway mm -hmm. just uh driving under the influence of the drugs mm -hmm. that is they can easily crash into somebody else's car and it, it unfortunately does happen a lot uh they kill the, the other people well let's then separate because people are allowed to drink in the privacy of their own home, but if they're driving under the influence, that's not okay. So why don't we separate the laws into those cases? Um, but to that point, I think that there is, I mean, to somebody with um, that's not able to reason uh, mm -hmm. methodically like that, there's not a difference between the front door and the door of their car. Um, because if they're going to be... I don't know. It's just it's just um it's just something to think about. Yeah. We're we're not going to find an end all be all solution right now. <laughs> this is it. Um but here, well there's there was another Yeah, what's the other policy you want to talk about? There was another one. Uh what was it? Oh, uh it was so she would stop um the construction on Trump's border wall and uh have open immigration anybody could come in. So there okay. would not be any quotas or anything like that, uh, limiting the number of people that could come into the U.S. and become okay. citizens. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I think, it, if nothing else, um, that immigration should be made easier because the reason a lot of people do cross the border illegally is because it's really difficult to get into the US and there's a lot of people that just want to be living a better life that have to go to through a really long overly complicated ordeal to get in so I absolutely think that it should be easier I'm not saying that people shouldn't be vetted although I think in again if you look at the libertarian oh everything's perfect world that a lot of libertarians come from it yeah, people should be able to go where they want and buy private property. Um, and libertarians are not for open borders. That is not generally what I see. In fact, it's a lot of the opposite. Libertarians are for not having public property. And so if you're trespassing on somebody's land, you're trespassing on their land, and that's not acceptable. But they want people to be able to buy private property and own it wherever as long as it's not infringing on the rights of others which that's a from the non-aggression principle which i think we should talk about at some point but i'll save that for another time all right um that's it's it's interesting to think about but i think when people say that they're against illegal immigration the mm -hmm. um sometimes people blow it a out of proportion saying you're against all immigration which is yeah. like c completely untrue immigration is great for our economy it's great for our culture etc etc but the illegal immigration the concept of breaking the laws to come in is i think uh, the concept of uh disrespect for laws in the first place and if you come in without uh, um when breaking the laws that shows that you're thinking that you can disregard other laws um, in the future when you come in um, but if it's interesting to think about if there's no way to stop people from coming in 
if there were there was no wall like she was wanting and there was um just open immigration i think that a lot of it could be used in a lot of bad ways is what i'm trying to say i guess i can see that i can definitely see where you're coming from there i think the the i don't like the concept of coming in like the u.s is this this big building and we we only allow in certain people uh obviously we don't want to let criminals be run rampant throughout the u.s but i think the the larger assumption that a lot of people make is that oh a lot of people that would want to come into the u.s are criminals which isn't really that true obviously there are criminals though but there are criminals everywhere we have plenty inside our own borders and i'm sure there are plenty of people that want to bring good things into the u.s so understanding the balance of good and bad that's coming in because we probably let plenty of good and bad out of the u.s as well and so just understanding that it's not strictly oh we're gonna let all the criminals in by doing this there there's ways of there's other ways of looking at the populations coming in and other ways to keep people safe and secure including private property security and making sure that your home is secure and things like that so all right so let's maybe leave it there we can come back to that maybe at another point so that was that was fun um so we got a question over the past couple weeks from philip about the black lives matter movement and instead of kind of tacking it on at the end i figured that we should probably address it as one of the main segments because it is a huge um topic in our uh, today's world absolutely um i want to preface this discussion by saying we are not going to be able to answer every question here we're not going to be able to cover every topic we're and we are just two guys with a limited understanding of the world around us we're very limited (laughs) yes we're we're doing all of this based off of our understanding of politics and what we've been informed on by our news sources and by most of all our faith so we're not perfect we're going to make a lot of mistakes and we may say some things that even a week from now we're going to regret or disagree with but we're working on giving you guys the best understanding of this that we can i like how you said news sources that made us sound so official rex that was great (laughs) all right so um I just I kind of wanted to break it down to this question and it's kind of rhetorical and I want um, each of you guys that are considerate enough to listen to us um, to kind of decide this question for yourselves and I'll say some stuff and Rex will say some stuff and I want you guys to just kind of think about it for yourself and answer it um, and pray about it etc. And sending questions, comments, and concerns again. Of course. Um, so here's this question. Should Christians support the Black Lives Matter movement? And I'm going to say some stuff and we'll see what happens. Cool. All right. So, uh, of course, I think the uh, first thing that we need to establish is that there is a huge difference between the organization known as Black Lives Matter and the slogan. Absolutely. So the slogan is uh, Black Lives Matter is a great slogan, obviously, mm-hmm. because it's um, it shows that people are not left out. It shows that um, people have meaning. They matter. Um, 
but the organization on the other hand that is behind the movement like the leadership the website all these things the the official black lives matter organization mm-hmm. uh i think supports some things that would be iffy to uh christians to support if they yeah. fully understood them definitely so i want to go into those um a little bit um so and I got some of these things, not directly from the website, but they are on the website. Okay. And um, We'll leave the website in the show notes if you want to take a look for yourself. So the the organization stands uh, for the, the use of abortions. And uh, I mean, if you want to talk about institutional racism, you look at Planned Parenthood. Cause, so yeah. that was founded by Margaret Sanger. A well-known eugenicist. Yeah, so here's here's a quote from her. Birth control is not contraception indiscriminately and thoughtlessly practiced. It means the release and cultivation of the better racial elements in our society and the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual destruction of defective stocks, those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. That's so, disgusting. Yeah, this person... Uh, uh, just yeah. gives me GB's just listening to that. But um, so this was the founder of Planned Parenthood. This, this was the strategy that was set forth. And since uh, 73, um, 60 plus million babies have not been uh, born because of abortions, etc. Um, yeah. Which is a super sad, sad. Uh, number. A third of those are African American mm-hmm. babies, which is disproportionate, showing that African Americans make up thirteen percent of the American population. Yeah. So you see the difference between the one third and the, um. So sad. And the reason is Planned Parenthood has targeted African American communities. And they've tried to change the culture to saying, oh, abortions are completely okay, all these things. Yeah. And they've specifically targeted that community, mm-hmm. um, which the Black Lives Matter movement supports Planned Parenthood, which I I see a big discrepancy of, oh, these 20-some million babies' lives didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so I see that as kind of hypocritical in yeah. a way. And then let's also take a look at the fact that the government supports Planned Parenthood and talk to your local legislators because that's not that's not good. Actually, I think we defunded Planned Parenthood. Really? I keep hearing lots about still defunding it. We'll look at that later. Yeah, we'll uh, get back to you on (laughs) that. Um, Also, there's another thing here. Let me find this quote on. This is from the website. Um, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. Um, and it goes on by supporting each other, blah, blah, blah. But the nuclear family, it's, well, it's, first of all, the Western, yeah, you can look at that quote, Rex. The quote, Western nuclear family is, um, is not just a Western philosophy. It's not just American. Mm-hmm. It's not European. It was founded, uh, started by God. God said, this is how families should look. This is the ideal of how families should work. So um, it was prescribed in the Bible, and that is why it is. Um, so it's not necess- It's not a Western ideal. It is a biblical worldview uh, yeah. point. Uh, what do you think about that? 
Well, I think reading the rest of this quote here, I'm going to read the full thing. Uh, it says, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. What what does that sound like to you? What what does that remind you of? Uh, that sounds like communism. To me, it sounds like what the church is supposed to be doing, living as an extended family and caring for one another. But what it's doing is they're trying to take that concept, which I think Again, it's a biblical concept of living as a church and caring for one another, but they're trying to take the nuclear family out of that. And I'm not saying we should, everybody has to be exactly the same in family structure. But what I am saying is that they're taking two parts of a whole and trying to separate them and only keep one of them. So I'm not saying it's bad if you don't have a nuclear family and are exactly, it's one mom and one dad and two kids and no more, no less, and you live in a house with a white picket fence. I'm not saying that's how you have to live your life. But what I am saying is that God set up a structure for a family and then he expanded that into the church as multiple families in the world living together and caring for one another each living separately as a family, but also together as one family in Christ. And trying to separate those concepts is dangerous, I think. Yeah, definitely. And this, here's a quote, um, kind of moving on, by one of the leaders um, in New York of the uh, the organization. I'm going to butcher this name. Sorry, Patricia Colors? Yeah, okay, well... I'll just pretend I said it right. Here, Rex is looking at it. Patrice Colors? Okay. Boy, are you better at this than <laughs> I am. Um, so basically she's saying that we, um, this is quoted, we are trained Marxists. And you're like, ooh, well, communists? But, um, and you're like, well, is that compatible with the biblical worldview? So I took a quote from Karl Marx. It says, religion is the sigh of the oppressed people. Um, so it... So basically, if you take the side of Marx, you are taking the atheist viewpoint, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, obviously directly in contrast yeah. with the teachings of the Bible. And I just want to point out, this is some, this is an interesting side note, that the Christian worldview is the only worldview that gives the uh, George Floyd's life any meaning because the atheist worldview is founded on evolution the concept of survival of the fittest George Floyd died he was uh, taken out by a quote a stronger figure that person survived that that should be applauded by the atheist worldview the only reason that he is lifted up is because he's being used as an instrument He's, it's not because his life, it's not because he was a person, but it was because he's an instrument to bring about change. The Christian worldview, on the other hand, gives his life meaning because he was created in the image of God, because he was um, because he was a child of God, because God loved him as an individual, and Christ died for him. And But that is completely different from mm-hmm. the atheist worldview. And while we're on the topic of Mark, Marxism. Uh, I see a lot of people saying that the the early church was communist um, or even socialist. I think the important thing 
is uh, this is something another fundamental libertarian thing, but it's not exclusive to libertarianism. Um, is the concept of charity, and the the difference between socialism and charity is socialism is forced redistribution of wealth. It's saying, oh, you have to do this because it is uh, what you're required to do. You have no choice in what you do with your money. It all goes to this, and you get a little bit of it. The With charity, you are choosing where your money goes, and you are saying, hey, I want to care for you. You are valuable, and I think you are deserving, and you need some help, so I'm going to help you. And that's the big difference there. It is okay to care for one another and help each other out without it becoming a a Marxist concept, especially because it's not compatible with Christianity. And I think we should do a segment on is communism, socialism compatible with Christianity? Yeah. Or did we do that? I think we just did. But let, let's take a look at that later. All right. <laughs> so um, just, just kind of closing with the Black Lives Matter movement. It's... Um, it's not racist to not support the Black Lives Matter movement. I think that should be yeah. fundamentally observed. It's not. It's like saying it's not racist to not support Obama for president. Mm-hmm. It's because you disagreed with certain facets of his policies. Support the message, not the movement. Mm-hmm. So that is, in a sense, what we are saying. Yeah. Cool. And so, remember the question I asked at the beginning and pray about it and answer that yeah. for yourself. Josh and I both agree that black lives do matter. Absolutely. All right. So moving on, I wanted to ask you this question, Rex, and we can both discuss it individually just for you. Wow. Why are you a Christian? And I wanted to kind of like break this down into a fundamental just why are we Christians? Like why do we believe the Bible? Why are we Christians? What are your initial thoughts about that? I think if if we're talking— if we're talking from a why do you believe in Christianity, I think if you'd asked me a few years ago, like when I was like 10 or so, I probably would have said, oh, because my parent that's what my parents are and that I grew up with them. And that's probably the only ownership I would have taken is that my parents are Christians and that's why I believe it. Um, but now I've been to numerous conferences about apologetics and understanding the evidence for the Bible and all that sort of discussion. I've been in multiple science classes that have been taught from Christian perspectives and shown evidence for the Bible and compared it to evidence against the Bible. And I've still come out with the belief in Christianity and the Bible. And then most importantly, I've seen God do works in my life uh, through me and for me and that all has culminated in the faith that I have today. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I think that it's important to break it down to fundamentally, I believe the Bible. I was taught to believe the Bible. And uh, the reason that I believe the Bible is because of I've been to some of the same conferences that Rex went yeah. to. Um, it's, it is the apologetics that we've talked about before that, that really – is the foundation of, well, yes, I believe the Bible, but why do you believe the Bible? Exactly. But but um, when we have the concept that the Bible is true, 
uh, then I'm a Christian because of what Christ did for us by dying on the cross, by um, God sending his son to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. for our sins, and that he did it with us in mind individually. He, like he knew, hey, there's going to be a guy named Rex who likes sound and oh, stuff. Yeah. And then there's going <laughs> to be this weirdo named Josh that thinks he can do a podcast. <laughs> um, but... Uh, just with that concept that God knows us individually, even now yeah. he knew us in the past. He, he knew us before we were born, mm-hmm. just, but uh, it's just that overwhelming concept that God values us individually. Like yeah. what we were talking about with George Floyd earlier, that God um, just, um, I'm repeating myself at this point, but he yeah. um, values us as individuals and Absolutely. he loves us. Awesome. Well, let's turn to our peer questions. Yeah, I just wanted to have Rex say that by himself. Wow, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> All right, so we had, of course, we had the one uh, from Philip about the Black Lives Matter movement. All right, so we we have a question from Caleb, and it's really funny. So last week we talked about being proud to be an American, we and did. before the podcast it was actually released. I think it was like the day the episode went out. Yeah, he sends us this question that is, is like completely applicable to it. So oh, yeah. do you think there are more people who are proud to be an American than those who are not proud? Um, if we're talking about Americans, like what if we talk about the whole world? Like are they proud to be an American even though they're not? So you're like asking if some dude from Germany is proud to be an American. Yeah. Probably not. Um, So if we're talking grand scheme, I'd say no. And even if we're talking the U.S., I'd also say no. (laughs) So um, 40% of Americans are proud to be Americans. I think it it was. I hope that number is right. I'm surprised it's it's that high, honestly. (laughs) If it's not, then I'll do a retraction or something like that. Oh, no. but it's it's really an interesting concept to think about. And if you missed last time, last uh, our last podcast episode eight, um, and you want to just uh, think about being proud to be an American more, check yes. it out. Absolutely. All right, uh, we had a beer question from Leah. What happens when somebody chews on aluminum foil? Oh boy! Wow, I'm actually surprised I could say aluminum. No, I can't say it. <laughs> aluminum. I can't say it. It's one of those mental blocks. You know, like, I can't say cinnamon. Oh, I said it. You said it, Josh. You and just need to believe in yourself. Anyway, what happens when somebody chews on that, Rex? Um, well, from my previous experience, it gives you... Oh, sorry. I'm, like, shaking in reaction to this because all I have is an awful memory of, like, biting into tinfoil um, and, like, having metal my teeth going through metal i just really don't like that um and i remember this metal metallic taste but josh has a more recent experience that he might be able to give some insight with well rex was just randomly talking about eating foil because like i had a ball in, of tin foil in front of me and i was like he's like is the worst experience you've ever you'll ever experience and i'm like that. yeah right so i'm like I'm going to take my, it was wrapped in a taco, or the, my taco was wrapped in a, a, the foil. <laughs> I can't say that either. Um, but it was, and I was like, you know what, Rex, I'm going to prove you wrong. So I bit it, and I made like a person out of it with my teeth. And it was actually, it was not the worst experience. Wow. I didn't say it was the worst experience. I said it was very unpleasant. Oh, it um, wasn't unpleasant at all, except for the unpleasant part of okay. it. I like how both of us have 
just this random question both of us have experience with eating this yeah and i like that uh josh didn't just bite into the tinfoil he made a person out of it when he was doing so (laughs) well um (laughs) on that note (laughs) that's all the questions we have for this time remember to submit questions to rex and josh cpr at gmail.com and at rex and josh cpr on twitter and instagram there you go guys thank you for listening send us some questions we want to hear your feedback and yeah that's about it right 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 rex i can't speak today oh yeah we will see you guys later thanks for listening Bye. bye